This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It was like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. Revenge is a dish best served cold with a banjo. With a banjo, just basically feeding it to you down your throat. That's what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did yesterday. Greg Mackling, along with Doug Brown, it is the Blue Bomber Podcast. Doug, I was optimistic about how this could turn out for the Blue Bombers on Saturday, but I did not expect that beatdown by the blue and gold over the green riders. Where was your mind heading in? You know, I wasn't sure. Uh, Obviously they lost the Labor Day Classic in Saskatchewan playing the same team. It took quite an exceptional effort from the Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense to even be in contention in that game. I didn't think the offense played very well in Saskatchewan whatsoever. So I didn't see this coming. You know, I thought, okay, in order to be competitive against this football team with all these injuries, the defense is going to have to hit one out of the park again. I was very, very wrong in that respect. This was the Banjo Bowl blowout by backups. Five Bs. That's five Bs in a row. That's alliteration. That's a, That's a killer, killer Bs. Right? I like it. It's just, I, I was so, like, how deep is this football team? So Saskatchewan was supposed to be the number one rival in the West. Obviously, that's Calgary now. It's not Saskatchewan anymore. You're talking about a backup quarterback. You're talking about a backup running back. Uh, Patty Newfeld is not starting the offensive line, so there's at least one, if not more, backup lineman in there. Uh, you're talking about Lucky Whitehead is a starter. He's out of the game. Nick Dembski, he's out of the game. Okay, that's just on offense. Uh, you got your snapper out of the game. Uh, you got Jackson Jeffcoat, who was having the best season of all the defensive linemen um, before he got hurt. Uh, uh, Adam Bighill's missed time. Brandon, uh, Brandon Alexander, Alexander was out of the lineup out. on Saturday. So you know, you really, I just didn't see this coming. You know, and they talk about for me. The next man up thing, that's just what you say. That's just the cliche response or the answer you have when someone says, how's this team going to handle this? Oh, without, you know, turning your brain on, you say, oh, next man up. Next guy just goes in there. And, but it's for real with this football team. Like, their backups, Yeah, you can start arguing. Some of these guys that are filling in look as good, if not better, than the people they are replacing. How does that happen, Doug? Clearly, they're not as good individual football players as these guys who are typically starting. Well, it's all evaluation. Is that a fair comment on my part? It might be a mistake in evaluation. Uh, It might be that they fit better in the scheme that is being played. Yeah, so there's a lot of reasons why these these guys might play great together in, in a group. Uh, great teams aren't always all the a collection of all the best players, right? As we know that it's it's role players, guys that fit into their role and understand their responsibility better than anyone else, and how that works together in a team scenario. So, yeah, it could be mistakes in evaluation. It could be guys just fitting better in the scheme. Uh, it could be younger guys that just haven't had the opportunity, the experience to get noticed and, and have have that break afforded to them or not. So there's uh, there's a number of reasons why that could happen, but it's almost like 
my God, you'd almost like to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I mean, they're they're deep, but they're not deep enough to do this. But you'd almost like to see them play themselves. You know, Strevler versus Nichols and Andrew Harris versus Augustine. And well, there's you got a- Jackson Jeffcoat on one side. You got Willie Jefferson on the other. And <laughs> you can almost break this team in half. And, and wow. Like, you know, if, wow. I, if I was a BC Lions, I'd just be like, hey, man, can we just buy the, the guys that aren't starting on your team? When they're, can we just have them please the one in ten bc lions obviously uh drooling for that. at the I- idea of having uh any sort of continuity any sort of success this season how impressed i mean it's clear that you're dripping with impressed i started using the hashtag something special associated with this team on twitter i stopped doing it a few weeks ago i think that was a mistake there is something special about this team. Yeah, I mean, if they're like you said, uh, I they're scary. It's scary to imagine what they can accomplish. You know, when when everybody's healthy, and I hope the performances they're seeing right now, I hope these are accounted for and weighed when it comes to decisions that have to be made down the road. Um, when guys do get healthy and want to return, whether they should or not is it could be a valid question to be asked. What's your philosophy your opinion your life experience with regard to losing your job losing your position as a starter to an injury depends how good that player was uh, that played depends on the performance no hard and fast rule in your mind no that's stupid everyone says there's a rule like that right but the moment it's so compelling that you're you're just like whoa look at this guy did and it just goes out the window right it's just it's uh it, that rule is something coaches use and is uh, as an excuse if they want to uh, put a guy back in that a lot of people thought were not playing well. They have a relationship with this guy. They just want him. They're looking for a reason or a rationale to reinsert a player, even though his backup was outperforming him. That'll be something they throw at you. But there's no, you know, there's nothing written in stone in football that you can't. You sure as hell can lose your job uh, to an injury and and. You got to be careful if a team starts playing really well and there's a bunch of guys hurt and then you start bringing them back piece at a time, you know, you, you got to be careful not to mess with what's going on. Have right? you seen that happen? Ah, uh, not that comes to mind, but uh, I was just like I said, I was blown away by by the performance offensively. This is the best complete football game I think I've seen for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in terms of the offense, the defense and the special teams all at the top of their game, all contributing uh, to the victory, all playing really well, and uh, guys that are just on on the rise upwards and uh, very strong performances. Chris Traveler being one of you know, he's interesting because some weeks you watch him, you're like, oh man, all he can do is run. And some weeks he makes terrible decisions with the football, and you're just like, they can't have him throw any. And then some weeks, I mean, I don't know, we asked him about it after the game and he denied it. Um, but we're, he just looked more relaxed in the pocket. He looked comfortable back there. Um, he obviously wasn't hurried very well, the, very much. The offensive line did a great job protecting him. But uh, he just looked like, it looked like his passing game took another step and went up another level in this game. So I think what we're seeing with Strebler is just, it's it's almost like every week we write a different narrative about him. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's too soon for anything. It's too soon to say anything definitive about him. Sure. Other than the fact that the guy puts it all out there, right? He puts it all on the line. 
That's the only thing you can 100% say about Straveler is he's going to try and truck somebody. Can we at least say that we're creating a new baseline of expectation with him each and every week? We're not necessarily seeing a ceiling, but is where we're starting from uh, at, at the opening drive of the game on offense for the Blue Bombers, does that at least start higher uh, on next game in Montreal, does that at least expectation, that base basis of understanding of who Chris Strebler may be higher than it was before the, the first drive on Saturday? Yeah, I think you'd like to. The, the problem with young players, the problems with they can regress. players, well, they're inconsistent. Right. So you never know that that's what drives people nuts. And that's why, you know, coaches used to say, hey, for every rookie or young guy you have starting or your team, there's a loss right there in the final tabulation. And um, you know, Strebler is a guy, he played a clean game. Uh, he made great decisions with the football. He got rid of it. He was, he missed some throws, but he didn't miss them in a catastrophic sense. Um, he did, he's still, you know, passing under 200 yards, but, uh, and still doing what he does on the ground, but he's just, uh, he looked, he looked much improved. He looks like he's learning from his mistakes, uh, going forward, but you just need to see before you, get too excited about a guy or get too down on a guy. You just need to see a baseline of consistency. And, uh, you know, they got a bye week now and then they go to Montreal to play. And you got to hope that what you alluded to that, okay, this performance banjo bowl, hopefully this is the foundation of, of things to come. And he doesn't go beneath that anymore. And, uh, you know, the kid could have a bright future, but like I say, it'll be whether he can continue to take those small steps um, towards you know becoming having a more complete game as a quarterback, or whether he's going to take a step forward, take a step back, and just be erratic. And and that's hard for you to buy into when you're a football team. And you have a quarterback when you don't know what you're going to get on a week by week basis. We know what we're going to get for the most part on a week by week basis with Matt Nichols and Strevler is working on putting together that body where where. Teams can say, okay, if we have this guy, this is this is what we should get on a week-in and week-out situation. Let's put aside the performance in terms of what he's doing on the field. Let's talk about how he's doing it and the fact that he seems to be, in certain circumstances, looking around and going, guys, just get on my back. I got this. I'm going to take care of it. And I know you asked Mike O'Shea about this in the post-game show yesterday. It was that play in the second quarter where... Strevler missed Wallatarski on an out and up on the on the uh, on the left hand side of the offense, and then on the next play, Strevler got pressure, took off, and took on five, six, seven Saskatchewan Rough Riders down the sideline, right in front of his bench. What does that do for the confidence of everyone else around your quarterback when he does something like that? And not only what he did, but how he did it. That's just another element, another dimension. I mean, quarterbacks already are leaders of football teams, but you never see them or rarely see them lead in a physical way, right? Football is a very aggressive, physical game. Quarterbacks are the guys that are going to lead with their finesse and their skill set and, and their moxie and their confidence and, and you know their words, how they inspire. But he's a guy that brings another element that people respect, and that is his toughness. And uh, his ability to just truck people and, you know, outside of linemen. Okay. So on any defense, you have your defensive lineman, you got your linebackers, second level, and you got your secondary. Nobody wants to hit this guy 
outside of the linemen, okay? Like, no, obviously no Drake Nevis, no Willie Jefferson is going to is going to bl- or think twice or blink about hitting a guy like Chris Streveler. So you have eight guys. The a, you have eight guys. Eight guys on the defense. But once he gets through that first, once he gets into the second <laughs> level, now guys are starting to go, not super interested. Whoa. Yeah, not super volunteering, putting their hand up to yeah, I'll take this guy on square head on. That's not necessarily a good idea, right. you know, because uh, you know, and you keep your fingers crossed that this level of of durability he can sustain and, and it doesn't wear him down and he doesn't, I mean, he's young and, uh, you know, the younger you are, the more durable you usually are. And he's just, he's super physical out there. And, uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun watching him take guys on. And, uh, you just don't see quarterbacks play that way ever. And, uh, so that's, what's novel about his act. And, uh, people obviously are buying in. So we, spoke about that sh- that play extensively on the post game show and, and probably throughout the game but how about that second play of the game Streveler drops back oh, on yeah. the opening play of the game they lose 7 yards or on their own 3 yard line second and 17 and Streveler takes off down the middle does exactly uh probably what if you were betting somewhere if you were deciding what play would be called next Probably pretty close to uh, 1A or 1B would be, well, Strevler's going to run the ball just to get out of the shadows of the goalposts so the Bombers don't have to give up the safety touch. Instead, it's the second play of what turns out to be a 100-yard touchdown drive. drive. Really, it's a 107-yard touchdown drive, but it goes down in the box as 100 because they lost seven on the opening play and, as you say, chewed up eight minutes, 33 seconds. That was, I think, a very special play in the game and that maybe got overlooked uh, to a certain extent because it was only the second play of the game. Yeah, and it's just, it was ridiculous for Saskatchewan. It's like, have you watched any film on this guy whatsoever? I mean, guys got pushed out of their pass rush lanes and the middle just opened up like, you know, it was unbelievable. Like, you don't need to give him that much space to invite him to tuck the football away and run. Yet, you know, it was everybody got washed outside of the periphery and he just strolled down Main Street. So it was uh, a real head scratcher as to how Saskatchewan thought that would be a good idea to not have somebody either spy him or their interior defensive linemen to maintain the integrity of their pass rush lanes, having at least someone in an A-gap so they could at least slow him up before he got into his juggernaut phase. So, yeah, it was uh, a great performance by Winnipeg, but also take the time to fully discredit Saskatchewan for... uh, not being real sharp on their game plan in this one. I know you take great pleasure in being able to do just that, Doug. Johnny Augustine, uh, if I am Mike O'Shea, I'm salivating at the idea of going to Paul Lapolis and saying, can you please work out some plays where we have Johnny Augustine and Andrew Harris in the backfield? Please and thank you. You know, it's funny. Uh, Johnny Augustine's only started two games. Uh, as a tailback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the regular season. And uh, Andrew Harris, so far this season, has averaged something like six, 6.4 yards a carry or something like that, which is which is outstanding. And Johnny Augustine in two games is at 6.3. And I believe Andrew Harris's longest, uh, uh, longest explosive run so far this season, 
It's like 55 or 56 yards. Augustine has a 55-yarder. So he is right there in terms of... And, oh, and by the way, so we're like, okay, it's obviously this kid can run a little bit. Look at his average. Wow, that's great. He's really filling in well for Andrew. But we're like, well, we don't know if he can catch the ball in the backfield. Let's run the halfback fly. So what does he do against Saskatchewan in the Banjo Bowl? Boom. Gets behind the coverage and uh, tears it all the way down, scores a touchdown. So it's... uh, it's funny, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, I believe they say, and he is looking a lot like Andrew Harris back there in his uh, two-game debut, that's for sure. So, are the Blue Bombers going to have to do something special? Are they going to have to redefine, recategorize uh, some of their offensive plays in order to to give teams a, a different look? Because you've got a guy like Strevler. He's got you got to respect his pass at least somewhat. He can run as good as any running back in the league and now you you're going to potentially have three guys in your backfield who can run as well as one another. It's sort of a unique scenario here. Like I'm thinking of like Billy Sims and and the guys way back in the day with the Oklahoma Sooners when they used to run the wishbone and basically run for 387 yards a game. This is uh, the potential to really Put some defense on their heels. Yeah, for me, you know, the big thing is uh, this team is just really deep. And I think you need to be able to have uh, great talents at many levels of it in order to do something special in a season. And it certainly appears like this football team has that kind of depth at, at some key, key positions here. We're talking, gives them flexibility with salary cap. It gives them options going forward. Um, it, they don't have to worry about uh, reps that a starter has and whether he's going to be burnt out or not because they have these guys that, that are playing and, and nipping at their heels from behind them. So it's uh, it's a fantastic situation for this football team to be in when you don't just win a game with your backups at key positions. They went out and dominated what people thought was a contending team in the West without their starting quarterback. I mean, if, if you lose for most teams, NFL and CFL, if you lose your starting quarterback for more than three or four weeks, that's a death sentence for your season. No backup comes in and, and can win. I mean, Strevler's two and a half minutes uh, away from being 3-0 and right now. If the defense hadn't played some uncharacteristic ball in that final drive of the Labor Day Classic, he's 3-0 and right now as a starter, right? He's beaten Edmonton and Saskatchewan twice. And so it is just, it's incredible, and it's a great problem for the Blue Bombers to have. Um, and I hope, I hope performances just get to speak loudest when it comes to evaluations and who gets to play going forward. Okay, it's not on your list here, but I just have to ask you about the criticism that continues to rain down on Richie Hall and his style of defense. I did the math this morning. The Bombers are giving up as a team 19 points a game. That's not their defense because they've given up some special teams points. They've given up some pick sixes. So at the very most, their defense is giving up 19 points a game in the Canadian Football League, yet we still hear calls in social media and and, in fan conversations, and and maybe we're hearing them uh, in conversations uh, that you're having with with people that that are knowledgeable uh, about this stuff, but why the hate on for the Richie Hall defense? Because in my mind, this has been one of the best two, three, maybe the top defense in the CFL in the last season and a half. 
I think it's just going to come down to when it matters most, is this defense going to stand up or not? I, I think people are, are already accustomed and comfortable now with this football team doing well during the regular season, which they have for three, three seasons now. And uh, they just want to see, you know, when everything is on the line, they want to see, you know, a defense and an offense to stand up. And these glimpses, these examples we see during the regular season, why haven't they manifested into something outstanding in the postseason? And I think that's when uh, the credit will come together for, you know, that's the final uh, proof is in the pudding scenario is when the culmination of everything good you've done during the regular season results in something exceptional for this football team. I think that's the final hurdle for, for every phase of this football team um, to get their recognition their due. Now, the Bombers are off this week, uh, the bye week, and uh, 11 straight weeks uh, with a game that can take a toll. I can just imagine. You can comment on that if you want, Doug. But when the Bombers come back, they go to Montreal against a rejuvenated Montreal Alouettes with a a guy that can apparently play quarterback after all, Uh, a former quarterback who seems to be turning into a fairly decent head coach and your former teammate, Kahari Jones. That's going to be a test for the Blue Bombers. It's never easy to win in Montreal, there are all sorts of distractions there once you get there, and staying focused is is a challenge. And then they come home to play Hamilton, and then they have to go back to Saskatchewan to decide the season series. So uh, they may be breaking right now, and they they may have their feet up. And I know Willie Jefferson's in Jamaica right now, but uh, the next three weeks when they come back after this bye, uh, that's all in preparation for a back to back against Calgary. So it doesn't get any easier in the broad sense for this team. Yeah, and they're what more could you ask for them, right? They're they're nine and three. They could easily be ten and two right now. Um, their losses have come against teams they shouldn't necessarily have have lost to. Um, I, I I really don't you know the schedule doesn't really isn't really daunting for me in terms of an observer of this football team seeing what's in front of these guys. It just becomes apparent to me at nine and three, first in the West, uh, tied for the most wins with Hamilton in the CFL right now. They can do what they want to with this season. In my mind, they are far and away the most talented and the deepest roster in the CFL. So I don't think it's a stretch to say. I mean, I honestly think Calgary will will be their biggest challenge now if Bo Levi uh, stays healthy. But it's uh, the world is their oyster in that respect. Uh, what they want to do, what kind of footprint, what kind of stamp they want to put on 2019. I mean, the potential is there. We've seen it. We've seen evidence of it just even the last two weeks from guys that are traditionally not starters for this football team, how competitive they still are. Their systems, their depth, um, key positions, they're, they're outstanding. So uh, uh, it doesn't really phase me, and I'm sure it doesn't phase the football team, you know, what they have in store for them when they return. 2001, uh, the Blue Bombers were 14-4. and four. You were a big part of that team. I'm trying to think back on, on any sort of adversity that team faced in, in terms of of injuries, and I don't think there were all that many. It was it was sort of a storybook season for the Blue Bombers that, that year. It didn't end that way. Ryan Wickman that year at some point i'm not sure yeah i don't think he was playing in the in the gray cup he i think we lost him against bc 
that year. And for those right. that don't remember Rylan Wick- Wickman, he was a pretty Little key buzzsaw line, linebacker, linebacker yeah, right? Yeah, he was very good tackling machine. But you're right. Yeah, there weren't a lot of uh, injury. We were, that was a pretty deep team as well, but that was uh, that was a crazy collusion of misfortune with how that season ended. So I, I guess that's all we're going to talk about uh, 2001. Moving then. on. Uh, so the bye week is off, So which means if you're so inclined, you may want to watch uh, some other football teams uh, in the Canadian Football League next weekend, or you may want to watch some National Football League action. A player who was in Winnipeg with the Oakland Raiders for that debacle that was the preseason game against the Green Bay Packers. Antonio Brown is now a member of the New England Patriots. Doug what would you say to Antonio Brown if he had been a? What would I say to him? If he had been a, a teammate, why is it that no one tuned Antonio Brown in during his time with the Raiders? Um. Well, I mean, the word coming out right now that this was the end game all along, right? For him to go, the Patriots made a play for him when he was in Pittsburgh, and they were entertaining offers. They offered a first round pick for him. Now they're getting him for nothing. Right. Uh, obviously, he has some guaranteed money and a signing bonus, but you can bet your your, your uh, bottom dollar that there's a whale of clauses that, you know, if his off field antics uh, continue, then there'll be things voided uh, very quickly in New England. But um, what he did with that theory out there that he was doing everything in his power. To he get was released. orchestrating this yeah. to get cut. Yeah. So that's wow. I mean, that's. Uh, that's something new, right? How do you and, feel uh, as a teammate when you see a guy uh, going mean, down that road? Like he takes all the attention. They've committed thirty million dollars to this guy over a couple of years. That's taken bread off uh, the table in a salary cap situation. It's taken money off your table. It's taken money off the table of the of the guy that you're playing next to. What's the attitude towards somebody like that? Well, I mean, Antonio Brown is all about doing what's best in his mind for Antonio Brown. I don't think he has these considerations about how Pittsburgh felt or, or how the Raiders feel about, you know, what they thought was a commitment and turned out to be uh, a ploy to, uh, you know, end up getting himself to new England, which is apparently where he wanted to be anyway. So my only thing about this, my overall evaluation of this is just at what cost in terms of your personal morality and character, uh, you know, you may have ended up in New England. Well, it'll be it'll remain to be seen. A whether he's sharp enough to pick up all the details that Tom Brady expects. Of not everybody that comes to New England gets to be Randy Moss. Some of them are Chad Ochocinco, who doesn't do a damn thing. There's and, no freelancing. Dress. There's no nuance. It, there, there's, even, there's there's the Patriot way or no way. But not even off the field. I'm not even talking about off the field. I'm talking about the expectations. Oh, Tom that's Brady has I'm talking about on the field. You got to be. You have to understand what is happening in front of you. And if you're sure. turning left instead of right yep. and he can't trust you, you're not going to get very many opportunities before, before you know you're going to be a healthy scratcher and can be part of that offense. So that's one challenge he has going forward. The other one is, you know, whether if he felt like teams didn't understand, if, he, if he's the most misunderstood guy in the game, well, nobody in New England cares. I mean, they are, they're the one team that's bigger than Antonio Brown, right? Mm-hmm. They have superstars on it that are bigger than Antonio Brown. They are more accomplished than Antonio Brown. So he's going to have to eat some humble pie over there. And if he doesn't, he gets, he gets punted to the curb. So two big challenges for him, but I just can't believe uh, how he would expose himself 
uh, to this degree as, as, you know, just the most selfish and conniving player to get what he wants, the depths and the, uh, you know, how they manipulated the system. And, the and lengths just, to which he was prepared to it's go. It's unbelievable. Uh, oh, my helmet. I, I want to use my, my just helmet. Just try to do everything in his power just to be have a team say, be disgusted with you, to say enough and want to just wipe their The hands. Raiders of all organizations. Um, uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and, uh, you know, apparently that was all, that was the intent. You have to wonder how far back does this go. But we'll only know... If this was a show and this was an act or not, sure. By whether he can do anything else, whether he can clean it up, and whether he can just fall in line like he's going to have to in New England or not, right? Was this all a show? Was this all an act uh, to get his release from Oakland? Or, I mean, is this something he just can't control anymore? His social media things and wiretapping people and going Facebook Live during you know post game speeches and all these kind of things. Uh, was that all staged? Can he stop? Because if he can't get away from it, if he can't stop, if he can't fall in line, he's just going to be gone. So we'll, we'll find out uh, whether that was who the real Antonio Brown is uh, in the 2019 season. Antonio Brown took a fairly serious headshot uh, last season. And there are some people openly wondering, is this guy, and I got to be careful here, because of what I deal with personally, what I've dealt with personally, just this idea, is this guy brain damaged? Is this part of what's become of him uh, more metaphysically than in terms of this conniving, This is that's all a, a grand plan to find my way into a Patriots jersey? Like I say, we'll uh, stay tuned. I think that's the only thing you can say with great uh, assurance when it comes to Antonio Brown is that the proof will be in the pudding. We're going to find out when he joins this team, A, whether he can figure it out, and B, whether he can become, you know, what is expected of the players on that roster or not. Uh, we'll find out whether this was, uh, like I say, all staged and all an act or whether he just can't help himself uh, as a player. And then, obviously, his time in the NFL will be short-lived. We will uh, take the week off. And we will reconvene following the Bombers Montreal that's coming up a week this Friday in McGill Stadium. You'll be there, Doug Brown? You betcha. Okay, so we will uh, catch up with you following that. Enjoy the week off, and um, we'll see if this special season continues for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Thank you, Doug. Awesome. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.